Hello and welcome to the 360 Podcast, fascinating conversations with interesting people. I'm your host, Tim Brahim, and today's interview and discussion is with Josh Metal from Neo Home Loans. Josh is an industry-leading author, mortgage originator, ranking him in the top 1% of mortgage originators in 2020, according to Mortgage Executive Magazine. Josh is also a fourth-generation real estate investor, and along with his mother, he they own uh, a number of rental properties, apartment buildings, and commercial buildings. So he brings a, a breadth of wisdom, uh, a full scope of wisdom as it relates to mortgage finance. Josh currently serves as a division president and director of physician lending at Neo Home Loans, which is affiliated with Celebrity Home Loans. He has a, a passion for empowering home buyers with financial literacy and guiding them on their journey to financial freedom. My personal experience with Josh has uh, encompassed about four and a half years now where I've been his coach, uh, so I've gotten to know him quite well. Um, he's an incredibly positive and incredibly self-motivated individual. I think that you're going to really experience that in the course of our discussion, seeing how he um, he gets up every morning and, and really takes the day uh, with his own initiative. His entrepreneurial spirit is unlike any other, and I really admire the way that Josh strives to have a balanced life with his wife, Hillary, and his, uh, his two children, Arya and Xander. Um, he's very gifted at sales scripting. You're going to hear that in the course of our discussion. He's also um, one of the best, if not the best that I know when it comes to social media marketing within the mortgage space, which has been one of his, his real key secrets to his success. And he currently mentors other uh, business professionals, including those that are on his team. Um, and he is a, a wonderful teacher. So without further ado, it is my great pleasure to provide you with this interview with my friend and excellent entrepreneur in the mortgage space, Josh Metal. Josh Metal. Good morning, brother. Good to see you, man. Thanks for being uh, a guest for my very first podcast. It's really an honor to have you. I, I took the easy route and picked a layup interviewing you. <laughs> All right. No air balls from the layup zone. So uh, we're going to have a great time. I'm excited to be with you on the maiden voyage of this podcast. By the way, what are we naming this podcast? Uh, the 360. Interesting conversations with fascinating people. So it's really nice to, to start off uh, with that meeting, the billing, right? With you on here. So um, you you look like you're nice and relaxed, man. You got your vest on, your things are probably cooling down in the in the mountains of Utah. And a lot of people come in hot for these types of interviews. And I know you well enough to know that, you know, even though it's 915 in the morning in Utah, you're uh you've been up for a while. Tell me, uh tell me about your morning routine. I, I know that you execute on that pretty religiously. Yeah, I'm ready for my lunchtime snack uh, at 915. This is this is almost midday for me. Yeah, this morning was interesting. So my alarm clock didn't go off. And thankfully, Hillary's did. So at 409, my alarm clock went off. And I was like, man, I feel super well rested. Wonder what happened there? <laughs> well, that extra 45 minutes of sleep went a long ways. But um, yeah, uh, got a great workout with Hillary in this morning, which is always a blast played with the kids had breakfast. I, I was didn't get my full hour-long meditation, which was my intention today. I was going to do one of the ones that you'd recommended for me, but I got, you know, 10 minutes of, uh, of the stillness, um, the, the generous present moment meditation in, 
And so what I've been trying to do is really create enough space that I have a full hour. So I don't, I don't try and make my meditation fit into the time frame that the meditation can just take the amount of time that it takes. Uh, today, I wasn't successful at that, but I did get extra sleep and I got to hang out with my family and I got 10 minutes in. So I'll call that a win. Absolutely. Let's, let's dive a little deeper into that. I got first question I have is this. So like, I can't get up as early as you. I don't know why I try. I mean, your, your discipline to waking that early, I think probably has a little bit to do with your discipline to going to bed early. So I want to hear first of all, about what time you go to sleep at night. And then secondly is I need a little coaching from you. So like, how do you avoid hitting snooze and laying there and lounging around and stretching out and dozing back off? I mean, I've actually, I, I saw a, a tip and a strategy that was, uh, that was out on the internet somewhere that, about like putting your phone, like at the other side of the room. So it requires you to get up and walk across the room, but I'd probably just dive right back under the covers after hitting snooze. How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> well, you, you're exactly right. The, the wake up and the start to my day is immediately correlated to the way I finished the day. So let me take you back to the end of my day yesterday. Yeah, yeah, please. You, you know, we had a big investor presentation, which for me has a lot of stress because there's a lot of numbers involved. There was a lot of things that we wanted to cover. And I know a lot of people are going to be watching that recording or there. And I just wanted to make sure we answered all the questions and we didn't miss anything. And trying to explain what we've done in 90 days of research in 60 minutes, you know, takes a lot of concentration. And so we hit that at the end of the day and that ends at 6.09. And at 6.09, the phone goes to do not disturb. And I rush down to Xander, we grab the football, we jump in the Jeep, we go to the park, I take off my flip-flops and I get my feet in the grass. And I just start getting grounded and playing with my kids. And what I know is if that I can, if I can get outside and I can play with my kids to end my day, it's a totally different energy that moves all the way into the next day. So, so that happened perfectly yesterday. We got a good, you know, hour of playing. We watched an epic sunset that I, I posted on social media last night. And I was in bed by 745. I was asleep, asleep by eight. So then the question is, well, how do you go to sleep at eight? Well, you go to sleep at eight because I woke up at 3.30 the morning before. And by the time you hit seven o'clock, your body's telling you, you know, we all run by these circadian rhythms, but we, we get thrown off the circadian rhythms because we have lights and screens and digital input and pings and social media and all the things that distract us. But if you can insulate yourself from those, by auto setting your phone to do not disturb. So like my phone, for example, um, if I go into my settings real quick, my do not disturb is set automatically. I don't know if you can see that at 6.30 PM. So at 6.30, I have it on right now because we're talking, but at 6.30 PM, it automatically goes to do not disturb. And that means only my favorites can call in and people can still call and text, but there's no alerts. The screen doesn't light up. I don't, I don't get notified. So that's one big tip. The other big tip is go play. Like for me, and this is something that you and I have been working on over the last couple of years, is like I've realized that my life and just the energy that I have is totally different if I bookend my days with play. So my morning play is meditation, weights, breakfast with the kids. My evening play is if I can get out on a trail with my dog or I can go throw a football with my son, I can put my, my bare feet on the grass. I'm grounded and I'm detached and I'm ready for that, you know, seven and a half hours of rest. 
So what, let, I mean, you just, you touched on it, but let's dive a little bit deeper. I mean, for those that are listening, that are, that are wondering, oh, why the hell does he go to bed so early and how does he go to bed so early and how does he ever catch up on any TV shows? And, and uh, does he ever have a cocktail with anybody and um, shit, I'm just eating dinner at, at, at 745 when he's hitting the, the pillow. Why, why do you do it? Like, what's the, you touched a little bit on the payoff, but like, clearly you've tested this out a little bit and there's a reason you've landed on waking up so early. And then there's a reason, you know, obviously you go to bed early to be able to wake up early, but what's the effect? What's the benefit for those listening that they may want to consider? I'll start with the, I'll start with the why, and then I'll go into the benefit. Um, you know, you know, that I had a, um, a childhood upbringing where there was a lot of insecurity around money and where we were going to live and, and, and those types of things that, that still drive me to this day, right? There's, there's part of that beingness that if I'm not up and I'm not working on providing, it could all be gone tomorrow. And that is uh, ridiculous at this point. <laughs> I mean, where I am with my investments in cash flow, like that's not even that's not even like reality, but it still drives me. And, um, and, and I've gotten into this habit of waking up early. And I, what I've realized is that it makes me feel powerful and it makes me feel present because I have the time to drink my vegetable juice and take my vitamins and drink my mushroom coffee and sit down for an hour of meditation. And then usually I do an hour of work then I go down to the gym and then I have breakfast with the kids. Like I get all that time that I'm in complete control. Nobody's pulling me off script. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. blowing me up. Yeah. I own that ritual. And yeah. that sets me on a course. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll liken it to dropping in on a wave, right? Like I get to dictate every stroke and the perfect stand. And then I get to drop in on that wave and the wave just propels me for my day. If I don't do that, then it's like, you know, just fishtail, you know, I'm just, I'm just ass over tea kettle for my day. And I've just figured out I'm a more capable human being when I script the first portion of that day, rather than running in here uh, feeling like I'm chaotic. So starting off on purpose, starting off in control, not having the outside world infiltrating you. I totally get it, man. When I get up really early, like when I'm down in Costa Rica, just, I, I go to bed early, like you do. I go to bed like at 8.30 and I wake up when the sun rises at five. And one of the things that's so amazing, I was talking to Liz about this the other day, is how cool it is when, you know, it hits nine o'clock in the morning and you look back and you go like, man, I've already gotten a workout in. I already meditated. I had a nice slow morning breakfast. I, I kind of planned my day and it's still only 9 a.m. I mean, it's a, it's a really tremendous feeling of accomplishment that happens when you start your day off on purpose like that and are are free to be in control rather than reacting to everything. Right. And I, I, you know, one of the things that, that I want to point out, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but in all of the great traditions, you know, Catholicism with Catholic priests, uh, Muslim with, with, with their, their holy people, the sages of India, all of the traditions, they all wake at 4am. Like that is the magic hour that, and, and there's a real, reason for that. You heard Dr. Joe talk about this when we were together. And that's because that's when the pineal gland, which is uh, a gland that's in the back of your head right here, it's known in some traditions as the third eye, if it goes all the way through, 
which which has a lot to do with consciousness and has a lot to do with intuition and awareness and clarity and connection to source that's opened up and at its peak level because of melatonin secretion at that hour so for for 2000 years they all get up at that hour and that's when they ponder that's yeah. when they do their best work that's when it is statistically proven that we have the greatest mental acuity and clarity and the greatest um, awareness to where we can work through things. So I'm wondering if that was an intention of yours or you just stumbled upon that hour because 4 a.m. is the magic hour and has been for you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Stumbled more than, more than researched and found it out. I just found it to be true for myself. Um, you know, I was doing the, the generous present moment meditation this morning. And even though I only had 10 minutes, I gave myself complete permission to be present and surrender for 10 minutes. And it was enough to take me out of, um, focusing on what I have to accomplish today on this interview with you with a, I'm, I'm doing a, a Facebook live bulletproof fire presentation right after this, like the minute we get off. And then right after that, I'm going to teach um, our loan officer training to, you know, 60, 70, 80 loan officers, literally no margin, just minute to minute. And then right after that, we go into a two hour um, live event that we're hosting at my branch. And then it's, I have coaching calls up until six o'clock. So that can get daunting. And if I wake up in the morning and I start thinking about all of those things and all the yeah. things that can go wrong, I'm no longer in the present mm -hmm. moment. And all suffering in, in, in the way I see it is in is when you're either living something that happened in the past or you're living, you're, you're foreshadowing something that's going to happen in the future. And all of that to me is suffering and, and things you can't really control. So if I can take that morning and I can center and I can connect with the universe or God or whatever you believe in, and I can just connect to the present moment and let all of that go, it's like a freaking rad, rad way to start your day. You just feel so, um, there's just so much closeness and you just feel so much power. And then if I can go straight into Tim, some sort of, you know, what Tim Gerber would call um, working on your business work versus working in your business. So, you know, if I go sit down in my office at home and I start into email, shame on me. But if I have a project teed up that I need to rewrite some scripting for a marketing campaign, or I need to, you know, put together a PowerPoint presentation that I'm going to give something creative, if I can roll straight into that, that one, two punch, that jab cross is the most powerful combination I know. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> the, the thing I'd add to the power of what you're talking about and so brilliantly articulated is that you're actually giving yourself an opportunity out of the gate to build some momentum and to actually accomplish something that was an objective, right? Like a rock and the, the rock sand pebbles metaphor that I talk about when it comes to time management. So you're executing on at least one rock every morning before the day starts taking over and starts coming at you. And most people wake up and they go straight to the phone. They go straight to reacting. They're reacting their email. They're reacting their texts. Their nervous system gets jacked up right away. It's difficult for them to digest their first meal of the day, you know, because they're just already revved up. And then the next thing you know, the day takes over the day ends. you look back and you feel unaccomplished, 
but you're setting yourself up for success no matter what by getting up early, having this rhythm and this routine, tapping into the mental clarity and creativity that is available at that early hour, executing on, on something that's important. So no matter what happens from 9 a.m., afterwards, you can still look back on the day and have at least one win, if not several, when it's all said and done. Let's talk about transitions. You you hit on something that I, I think is really important that I don't want to miss, which is, you know, I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time, Josh, thinking about the subject matter of transitions and integration. And um, I, I think it happens in our lives a lot more than we realize. So let me, let me elaborate. Um, you know, when you go on vacation, generally takes somebody two or three days if they ever get there to wind down. Okay. That's a transition into a different state of being of presence or being relaxed of having fun of being in joy. And there's an integration into that. Right. And then when you come back from vacation, a lot of times it can take people a day or two to turn their brain back on. I mean, it's got back from a long one myself where my brain was totally turned off and it, there's this transition period to turn it back on. <clears throat> Same holds true for having a jacked up, highly intense day, getting home with your family, you have a difficult time. Some people have a very difficult time. I sure did in turning the brain off when you're having dinner with your family. And that's another transition point. We have all these transitions from one energetic rhythm to another throughout the day. Since we're sticking with the subject matter here for just a moment of starting off your day, right? You actually touched on a really important transition point, putting your feet in the grass, putting the do not disturb on. Let's talk about that for a minute, how you transition back into being a father and a husband and not the entrepreneur on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it's interesting you just named that a transition because I hadn't actually, you know, I hadn't actually identified that as something that was so significant. I just am aware that I feel better. And my, here's what's interesting. Even if I get the same amount of sleep, but I'm come out of a, you know, I come out of a late training or a late phone call and it's seven o'clock and I get off. And now really all there is, is time to like take vitamins and set out my coffee. And then I'm going to go sit down in bed. I can get the same amount of sleep, but the energetic experience the next day is totally different. I like, I would say, you know, if I do that a couple of days in a row, I'm a cigarette that's smoked all the way down to the butt. You know what I mean? There's just nothing left. But what I've figured out is that the whole rhythm of my life works better if I can get to a state of play. And when I say play, a walk with my dog, um, sitting on the deck, watching the sunshine with my wife for, for you know 30 minutes, um, anything that is really connection with another human being. But oftentimes that involves balls or, you know, a, a one wheel skateboard thing or chasing the dog. Usually there's some sort of activity around it. For some reason, that activity puts the relationship with my family and my relationship probably with myself as I'm hearing myself think this out um, at a better place the next day. And I can keep working those you know, those really long days, as long as I have those transitions, as you called it in place. So play for me or transition as you're calling it is absolutely key. And I really hadn't quite labeled it the way you had. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, I I'm hearing a couple of things in that. <clears throat> the first thing I'm hearing is that you have a transition routine into sleep. Okay. And that's a really important thing. I mean, think about how many people are on their email at 10 30 at night, <clears throat> you know, wound themselves down with a couple of cocktails 
And then they're trying to have a restful night of sleep and, and they hit the pillow and their mind's still racing. So they haven't created transition plan to go into sleep state. And what yep. you're talking about, about connection, you know, the, the longest road in the world is from your head to your heart. I mean, that, that is the super highway that we're all trying to travel. And there are, there are a lot of speed bumps and roadblocks along the way. Right. And what you're doing is you've systematically built in a pathway <clears throat> to move from here at the, at, you know, six 30 at night into here. Wow. And from here, it's a lot easier because your nervous system's relaxed to have a restful night of sleep. And I think one of the things, I don't know if you read The Power of Full Engagement, but uh, that book that, that we yeah. had the book club on, you know, they talked about that, like it's, it's, you know, intense bursts of exertion followed by rest, right? So you're creating that as a natural byproduct of the way that you've set up your life is that you have, you have these intense bursts of, 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 of focused in your head, strategic entrepreneur time. And then you've, you know, embraced the discipline of moving out of that and giving your mind some time to rest. So you can be rejuvenated for the next day and to take it on, you know, fast and furious like you do. So let's, um, I want to take two steps backwards. I mean, imagine some of the people that jumped on here are wanting to know like, Hey, I want to hear about Josh metals, marketing strategies and what's he doing right now to transition now that interest rates are starting to go up a little bit. And we're going to get there. I promise. But we're gonna we're gonna go two steps backward because uh, one of the things that that is really important to me during these interviews is that we get to know the person because it's what is behind the the activity and behind the byproduct of their success that I think has everything to do with their success. So I want to start back when you were a boy. Like, what were your hobbies when you were a young boy? Tell me a little bit about your childhood. <clears throat> uh, my, my earliest hobby I can remember, Tim, was selling things. Uh, um, I mean, I was into skateboards and selling things. When I was, uh, I think I was about eight years old, I joined the, the Boy Scouts and I joined halfway through the, um, they have this Boy Scout event at the end of the year. I can't quite recall what they call that, but it was like a Boy Scout jamboree. And you would, the Boy Scouts would sell tickets for like nine months or something like that. And then at the end of the year, they'd have this big jamboree and it was a huge Boy Scout party. And it was like a carnival and you'd bring your kids and there was, you know, popcorn and, and, and the, and the candied apples and everything. It was like a really cool party. And so what you would do is you'd sell these tickets to the jamboree and, um, and then whoever had the most amount of tickets got a bunch of gifts and an award and a, and a bunch of recognition and a merit badge. And so I, I remember I came in about five months into the nine month competition. Um, this is going back to like, you know, I was eight years old. So I'm, I'm in there, I'm close on those dates. And uh, I started selling tickets and in the, you know, the, the preceding four months or three months, how much time I had, I ended up selling more jamboree tickets than any Boy Scout in the whole state of California at eight wow. years old. So I, you know, I, I'm not sure hundred percent where that hustle came from, but what was I, the, what was the, what would you, if you had to pinpoint, like, why, like, why were you so much more successful at it? Was your, was it your scripting? Was it your stick your aggressiveness? What was it? What, what you're, 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 you're not being afraid to hear no. I mean, what was, what was the magic, man? I, you know, the first thing that comes up to me is that I just didn't have a problem to confront the challenge. And I think a lot of children and probably a lot of adults just like picking up that phone call and making a hard call or, you know, cold calling a realtor or something like that. That wasn't a real that wasn't a real hang up for me. So the, the, one of my success strategies was my mom would go to the grocery store 
And I, and, and, sh and she'd say, okay, you've got 45 minutes. So I'd spend the first 20 minutes at the entry door trying to sell these tickets. And, and what would everybody say when they were going in? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested, but I'll, I'll get it on my way out. And I realized that the exit door was on, you know, the other uh -huh. side of the store. So I'd spend 20 minutes at the entry door and then I'd spend the next 25 minutes at the exit door. And I was like, hey, you said on your way in, you'd buy one on your way out. I got two tickets for you. So I would just, you know, I would just, I would just say, hey, uh -huh. you got to come to the Jamboree. You know, I, I, I want to win this competition. It's for a good cause. Let's go. And so I think one thing would just be confront. I don't know where the, you know, I think there was a part of just my growing up where, you know, single mom, she was a solo entrepreneur. She worked her butt off, but we had the roller coasters financially. And there was a lot of insecurity and fear around just financial well-being and, and you know, is there going to be enough food and is there going to be a gang shooting outside of our outside of our 400 square foot apartment tonight? I mean, all that kind of stuff as a kid made me realize early that I was going to have to figure it out. And I was going to have to take full responsibility for this situation myself. And so I think part of that probably played into that aggressiveness. Um, you know, the, another story was I, I used to sell popcorn. We lived in a Holiday Inn hotel for about three months one time. And I can't remember the backstory of why that happened, but we did. And what I realized was all the people on the weekend would go down to the pool and party by the pool. And so I would pop popcorn. I'd buy like the, the Orville Redenbacher big gallons of popcorn and I'd pop popcorn, put them in brown bags, put butter on them. And then I'd go around the pool and I'd sell them for a dollar. So I'd make like $200 in, in popcorn sales in a weekend. And it would cost us, you know, 20 bucks for the, for the popcorn, the butter, the popcorn maker, the whole thing. And then I would just sell popcorn every single weekend. And then when I got everybody at the pool, I just go door to door and knock, knock down all the hallways at the Holiday Inn. And what are you going to do? There's a nine-year-old kid with a bag of popcorn. He's like, hey, you know, watch the game today. You need popcorn. And, you know, so it's just in my, in my blood, I guess. So every, I find, you know, having, you know, coached a lot of people now over a long period of time that the six, that a lot of the successful people like yourself have a story. There's always a story, which is like why I like to go back to someone's childhood. I mean, they, you know, there are people that are in this business of doing mortgages or selling real estate or sales in general that have this natural innate ability to put their own back against the wall and, and to have the, the, the chutzpah, you know, the, to just go hard. Right. And there's always a story behind that. I don't believe that any of us are just born with that. Like, I think that there's some, some social upbringing, there's some, you know, some nurture, if you will, in the nature nurture model that, that creates that. Okay. So your story is, you know, just articulated very briefly. I know more depth to it, but you know, you were in a situation where, you know, when you became an adult, you're like, I don't want to have to have my kids live the life that I had to live as a kid where I was having to hustle so hard. So that's your why. That's like the driving force. But one of the things that I'm also aware of, because I've got my own story, which we won't get into, that has driven me is that that can be also our, our blind spot, our shadow side, right? Like sure. we just drive so hard that we've eroded or atrophied the muscle of play or the muscle of relaxation and presence and these types of things. So how do you, 
how do you deal with that? I mean, you touched a little bit upon it, but is there any more that you'd want to say? I mean, how you put your feet in the grass, you play catch with Xander with the football, you, you know, you go out for, for a walk with your dog. Like, do you, do you feel that in your life, that's an area that you still need to work on consistently because left to your own devices, you would just be driving hard all the time. hundred percent. And I want to, I want to touch on that. I'd like to go back one, because one of the thing came up for me, which was, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention that mom being a solo entrepreneur taught me that I was thinking, you know, where did I get that sense of responsibility that I had to figure this out for myself? Well, I got that from watching mom, right? She was finding one business to the next. She would work ridiculous, you know, 16 hour days. I remember waking up in the, you know, in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning and, and she's always already working. So she wasn't, you know, like an order taker that just checked in conveniently from, from nine to five, like she was hustling. And sometimes there were windfalls and things went great. And a lot of times there were, you know, financial insecurities, but she, she to watch her example of hustling and never getting up and taking full responsibility for where she was and getting ahead. Certainly a lot of my modeling came from, from watching her. Um, and we had a lot of fun stories of me working in her businesses over the years that are like really pleasant memories that, that are still connected to my heart. So anyways, I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on that because mom deserves a, a ton of credit. Um, as it relates to the question about, you know, this story, whatever your story is, or my story is, it drives us and it can drive us towards negativeville or it can drive us to a, a, a happy place um i i know for me that has been something that i have had to i've been aware of that as you said left to my own devices i would have just been driving away from the fear for my whole life and and i remember when we started coaching you know my goal was um I think it was triple my current income level because, and, and if, and one of the things that you helped me with and, and, and your team helped me with was to ask the question, why, you know, what, why, what, what happens then? And starting to, and I started to realize that I've pinned my happiness somewhere out into the future. And it's tied to some arbitrary level of success or financial gain. And the question is, okay, well, five years ago or 10 years ago, you would have looked at where you are today and you would have said, well, if I could have ever got to that digit in a year, well, then I'm going to be happy. Well, then you did that and you doubled that digit. And now you're saying if you double that digit again, that you're going to be, you're going to be happy. Like I just had to have some help to figure out that that wasn't the path that was going to lead to happiness for me. That was the path that was going to lead to divorce and, and regret. So somewhere along the, you know, somewhere along that path, I, I had to reorientate to what it is that actually derives happiness. And it is ritual. It is transition time with family. It is slowing down to play a little bit. So I, I'm not going to say I have that mastered. I'm still very much working on it. And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm not doing all that great at it, but I'm, I'm doing a lot better at it that if I, I wouldn't have put the attention on it and have the awareness around it that I do. Well, hello friends. And I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 experience podcast to listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at the loan Atlas 
where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.